The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from powerful women leaders who will share their playbooks on how to manage smarter, be more successful, and change your game. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, specifically with the Game Changing Women... You are in the right place. We've got a very interesting panel today, but let me start off. The buzz today, wardrobe. Just picture it. Just think about it on the set of a movie. Wardrobe. Okay, I'm talking about switching from red to black. What in the world is she talking about? Well, let's do a little look back here. For the first time since small businesses have been tracked, that actually goes back about 30 years, the number of small business closures is outpacing startups. Let me say that again. More small businesses are going out of business than startups are coming in and opening business. This is what we would call a critical economic indicator. We need to pay attention to this. Let's look at the gender differences here. Despite the fact that women continue to start businesses at a faster rate than men, I think that's good news, the number of women business owners grossing at least $1 million has declined seriously from 3% to 2%. That's according to Forbes by way of our, our panelist, Susan Solovic, who helped us put together this conversation today. So, When it comes to reigniting a failing business, we're talking about entrepreneurs. Some women have what it takes. They see it going downhill. They don't want those doors to close. What is it about them? Are they scrappy? If anybody is from New York and you remember Lionel, the lawyer turned a radio host, he used to call Tanya Harding the skater scrappy. Is it the female business owner's scrappiness? Is it their persistence? Is it that they're more agile in business? Are they better at networking, multitasking? Do they build culture better? Culture meaning community and business context. Do they they have these inner strengths and this maybe native, maybe educated savvy that gives them a competitive edge in terms of turning around a business. The big question is, if you're a woman listening to us today, how can you be like them? What is the success profile? So we're really talking about, going back to my opening topic of wardrobe, we're talking about from red to black, women business turnaround gurus. What would you rather be wearing to the party? So let's introduce our first panelist. I already mentioned her and she's a good friend of ours here on Game Changers Radio. It's Susan Solovic, who goes by the title The, all in caps, Small Business Expert. And you may have seen her or heard her on Fox Business, Fox News, The Wall Street Journal's Lunch Break, CNN, CNBC. She's everywhere. And here is the quote that Susan sent me from none other than George W. Bush. The quote is, you can't do today's job with yesterday's methods and be in business tomorrow. That sounds like very clever words coming from George W. Bush. Susan Solovic, welcome back. How are you? Well, thank you, Bonnie. Yes, it is. And it's so true because, you know, they used to say there's two things that you can't escape in life, death and taxes. 
but the other one is change. We are all facing change, and it's rapid change. And what got you here today isn't going to get you there tomorrow. So it's constant innovation and flexibility. You have to be agile in business today. So that goes back to my word agile. What about some of the other qualities I mentioned, Susan? Scrappiness, persistence, better at business, culture building. Do you find that these are the success profiles of a woman who can? Now, now I didn't just say start a business. We're talking about turning around a failing business. And I don't know how close to failure we're going to talk about in our conversation, but top three characteristics, what would you say they are? Well, I think, first of all, you have to be uh, truly resilient because the one thing that's for certain, too, is if you're really out there and you're really pushing the envelope, you're going to fail. You're going to stub your toe and you're going to fail. So you really do have to be resilient. I think the other thing is, and, and I love the word scrappy. In fact, one of my vendors uh, a couple of years ago said, you know, you're really scrappy. And I said, I'm a little offended by that, I think. And he <laughs> yeah. Said, oh, no. Yeah. He, he said, no, 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 don't be offended. He said, most really successful entrepreneurs I know are scrappy. You, you figure out a way to get things done. You don't take no for an answer. No doesn't mean no. It just means, whoops, I got to figure out a different way to do it. As my mother always says, there is more than one way to skin a cat. And that's so true when it comes to business. And really successful entrepreneurs, if they hit an obstacle, they're going to dig under it. They're going to try to get around it. They're going to jump over it. Uh, you know, maybe they're going to latch onto a drone and fly over it. I, you know, I don't know. But you have to be scrappy. And you also have to be willing to get out there and ask for help you need, and particularly in these turnaround situations. And I think a lot of times women, when when things aren't going right, we tend to internalize it. We close it in. We're embarrassed. And we don't go out there Mm -hmm. and get the help that we need because we think we're going to be able to figure it out. And guess what? You know, you can't know everything, and you've got to go look for that great advice. So we're going to get some great advice. By the way, I did a little digging on this wonderful quote you sent me, Susan. It is not only attributed to George W. Bush, but also to Henry Ford. And if you go back in time, there are claims on the web that it was originally seen in print back in 1940. Interesting. It's been around. Well, you know, and at the turn of the century, uh, the gentleman who ran the patent office, Charles Duell, is noted to have said, although there's no documentation that he really said it, but he gets credit for it, that we might as well close the patent office because everything that has been invented has already could <laughs> could be invented has already been done. Oh, bless his little heart. We're here today. Yeah. Bless his little heart. I can't wait to hear what our other panelists have to say about that. Thank you, Susan. And let me bring on our second guest today. She is Valerie Shondell. If you want to look her up, she goes by the title The Business Strategist. Her last name is S-H-O-N-D-E-L. And she sent me a wonderful quote from Pablo Picasso. Everybody knows who he is, but I don't know if you all knew that his middle name was Ruiz, Pablo Ruiz E, the letter Y, Picasso, Spanish painter, sculptor, printer maker, ceramicist, stage designer, poet, playwright who spent most of his adult life in France. I'll stop there. Here's the quote from Pablo Picasso. My mother said to me, if you become a soldier, you'll be a general. If you become a monk, you'll end up as the Pope. Instead, I became a painter and wound up as Picasso. It sounds like something a mother would have said to a son in Brooklyn a couple of years ago. Valerie Chandel, welcome to the show. How are you, Valerie? I'm great, thank you. I really do love that quote. I think it, it says so, so much. I had three boys um, who are now grown and married, but when they were growing up, I always said to them, you can do whatever you want to do. And I think many people, and people do this in business as well, they put limitations on themselves. They set out a plan and they say, this is what I'm going to do. 
And I think if you follow something that, that strikes a passion within you and you're open to trying things beyond what you thought, to think really big, to not be afraid to walk through maybe scary times, dark times, and to go through and persevere, you can see tremendous success. And I feel like this quote really speaks to that. It does, Valerie, and I'm I'm very intrigued. I don't think we've had a Picasso quote in, in a long, long time here on all of our series. Question to you. Do you agree with Susan Solovic about, and, and my opening, about the habits, the qualities that, A, women business turnaround experts and gurus already have, and, B, women who aspire or desperately need to turn around a business, they need to embrace these qualities. What do you think of our list? Do you have anything else to add? I know some of these came from your notes. Valerie? Yeah, I think that um, two things that really come to mind when we're talking about building businesses is, one, to really have that confidence to think big, to have that big picture, to build a scalable model from day one and not just feel like I'm tiptoeing into the business world. Um, I think that's one thing, and that might uh, feed it to Susan's scrappiness, so to speak, and confidence. Um, the other thing, the two things that um, I think are really critical are the building of culture. That companies that succeed, and I, I've seen some companies that go into business and within a very, very short, short time, and I'm saying within a couple of years, they're up for sale for big, big numbers. And it's mm. because they built a very scalable model that could just rise very quickly. And they were open to being huge. And they, they planned that almost from the beginning. Um, but they built a culture within their company that could grow and could achieve that in a long time. So I think the building of culture and is, is critical, whether you have five employees or you have 500 employees. Um, the other thing I feel that's really critical is this concept of networking. Nobody mm-hmm. knows it all. And we can read, we can listen, but when you interact with people and you interact with experts in different fields, you get feedback from other colleagues and peers. You can really see your business take on another level. And I I think those qualities are really important and really uh, contribute tremendously to success in, in people's business. Thank you, Valerie. Very good points. And again, welcome to our show. And now let's bring on the one gentleman on the panel. And I wish our listeners could see the stunning tuxedo he is wearing in the professional bio picture he sent me. His name is Joseph Pietra Fesa, P-I-E-T-R-A-F-E-S-A. He uses the Roman numeral two after his name, and he is the founder of Strategico. We'll find out a little more about that later. Joseph, I'm going to stay formal because any man who wears a tuxedo to a radio show has to be addressed formally. So Joseph has sent me two quotes. I don't usually give two quotes, but they're two quotes from two very powerful women. I'm going to read them both, and then, Joseph, you can tell us how they relate to our topic. One is from the wonderful Catherine Hepburn, who lived to the age of 96 and was still doing movies late in life. She was known for her fierce independence, her spirited personality. She probably would have started and run a hell of a business if she was in that business. The the quote is, if you obey all the rules, you miss all 
all the fun. And then the other quote is from none other than Madonna. And here's those words of wisdom. A lot of people are afraid to say what they want. That's why they do not get what they want. I think these are maybe flip sides of the same coin. Joseph Petrofesa, welcome. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Delighted to have you. Talk to me. Which one? Let's start with the Catherine Hepburn quote. If you obey all the rules, you miss all the fun. Do you think this is a, a mantra for women who are successful at starting a business and then picking it up before it hits the ground? What do you see? Well, I think it, it's for it, it, it's really a woman in business. I think, uh, first of all, I just want to make sure everybody understands I am not advocating that you break any laws. We all have <laughs> laws we need to obey. But when it comes to rules... You know, I look at it this way. If you obey all the rules, then really you're just one person in a long line. Uh, so what can you do to step out of the line to be noticed? Uh, and it really gets down to differentiation, which I think is huge in today's business, to differentiate yourself and your business from those who are your competitors or where you want to be. That's really going to make you stand out. So sometimes you have to break the rules. And, you know, there's, there's lots of different rules that, that could be broken in a subtle way uh, that will make you stand out and help you along the way. Interesting. And, Joseph, today the popular word in business is disruption. We're looking at a disrupted economy, a sharing economy. We're looking at companies like Airbnb that own no real estate but rock the world of accommodations. Uber, the dirty word in New York among taxi owners, many of whom are my friends or some of whom are my friends. They don't own a single car, but they're sure rocking the transportation world on and on and on. Alibaba, all kinds of companies. So uh, I think disruption is a, a very important word. We'll get to that, but I want to get you to talk about now the Madonna quote. A lot of people are afraid to say what they want. That's why they do not get what they want. What's your take on that, Joseph, in terms of women who are able to start a business, find some measure of success, and then before it hits the skids, they're able to turn it around? What would Madonna say about that through you, of course? Well, I mean, she's a terrific example of somebody who really started from nothing, had a career goal in mind, and made sure that she represented that goal throughout her career you know, her climb to success. And really, you know, there's no way that Madonna could have got where she is today um, with all her success if she didn't say what she wanted and and followed it through. If you're, you know, I'm sure she had an agent. I'm sure she had some representation. But you got to believe that she really was telling those people, this is what I want to do and this is where I want to get. So, you know, not afraid to speak up. I think um, anybody would admire a woman who's not afraid to not only speak her mind, but be persistent in how she does it. And I think that's where that quote comes from. Thank you very much. Susan or Valerie, these quotes are so good from Catherine Hepburn and Madonna. I'm just wondering if either one of you has something to add to what Joseph just shared with us. Susan, well, any thoughts? I love thoughts? the Madonna quote. I hadn't heard that before, but I love them. One of the things that I do is I tell them you have to ask for what you want. You have to ask for the opportunities. And, Bonnie, I was on your show about a month ago, and we were talking about Mm -hmm. women in career negotiations. It's the same thing. If you don't ask for it, you don't get. So you really do have to put yourself out there and be willing to ask for those opportunities. Thank you very much. Valerie, any thoughts about that? Yeah. Yeah, The Catherine Hepburn quote is really great. Um, I was in an industry that was – 
really kind of established, and you really have to think out of the box. You have to do the things that people sometimes say, oh, no, no, you can't do that. But when you shake things up that way, it gets attention, especially from your clients, and kind of re-energizes things. And I think it, it can turn into good success for a lot of businesses. Okay, I want to ask one more question before we circle back to Susan, then Valerie, and then Joseph, and ask you what's in your cup today? What are you drinking? My question is, when does speaking your mind, saying what you want, Joseph, going to your Madonna quote, missing all, not missing all the fun, not obeying all the rules, when did, what is the fine line that a woman in business would walk, Susan, you first, between desperation and neediness, for example, going to the bank and saying, oh, my God, you know, I don't have enough to pay my payroll. Uh, we're three days away from closing. you got to help me. To coming across as, Susan, the word was scrappy, agile, flexible, resilient. Where is there a fine line there, or am I just imagining it? What do you see, Susan? Well, I think that women tend to make their businesses too personal. So when they go and they present something that way, they need help. They're telling their life story. You know, they're, they're wanting people to sympathize with them and empathize with them. And you really need to present it like a business case. And so there is, there is a balance there. I mean, certainly people want to help and they, they want to get to know you. And there are relationships that develop in business, but it is business. And that's one of the things that we find when women are out pitching to get uh, equity investors, venture capital, angel investors is they want to tell their whole life story and how wonderful this is before they get to the punchline and say, this is how much money I need, this is why I need it, this is how I'm going to use it, and this is your return on investment. Then if they want to hear more, tell them. But you know what? You've got to get to the punchline first, and that's so important. Thank you very much. Valerie, any thoughts on that fine line? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, it is a tremendous fine line. I, I've been faced many times having go, to go to a room full of male bankers who look at the woman and say, hmm, she's going to come in and make excuses and, um, you know, whine. But I think, if, I think the important thing is to really look at where you are from a business standpoint. As Susan said, objectively accept the numbers, look at what the numbers are, but then when you go and you build the plan, you really got to sell them on that, um, what it's going to do down the road. What are the profits going to be? What is this investment going to bring to them and give them a long-term client that's going to grow with them and, um, and, and be able to thrive because they have invested in you? But it is, there's a certain kind of confidence that you have to walk into that meeting with and not let them... Not them, not allow them to get you into that personal mode. Susan's right on the mark. It's really got to be business the whole way. Have your numbers ready and your plan to move forward with confidence. Thank you, Valerie. Joseph, thoughts on what we're talking about right now? What do you observe? You've been all over the world with your business. You co-own a $120 million manufacturing and marketing firm. You've developed real estate across the U.S. You've got a consulting practice. You must meet an awful lot of people. And your your company, the Strategico, is named after the Italian word for strategy, strategia. Right. So what do you – yeah, what, what about that, a strategy of asking how do you ask well, when you're I, a woman I, I in business? Valerie, Valerie makes a, a very good point. I mean, it's the word detail. And when it comes to details in business, I, I, I definitely give the edge to women. Um, they don't glance over things. They seem to be way more specific 
in their needs and in their goals. And I'm sure when you're sitting down with you know venture capital people and, and a bank and whatnot, they would they would get to the details, the heart of the matter, quicker than a guy would. And they can't be afraid to do that because the person at the other end side of the desk is going to appreciate that much more when they're considering whether or not to help them. So I think it is in the details. Thank you very much. All good points. And it's time now to circle back to Ms. Susan Solovic and find out what are you drinking? First of all, where are you calling from today, Susan? What are you drinking right now during the show or after? Talk to me. All right. Well, I'm in New York City, Bonnie, as usual, and yes. I'm drinking Crystal Light. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big water drinker, as I've mentioned before, but I found Crystal Light and I put it in my little water bottle. I happen to be drinking Crystal Light Pink Lemonade today. That sounds wonderful, considering that I'm here on Long Island, as you know, Susan, and it's rainy, it's pluing, it's not pretty outside. It's bright, but it's not a pretty day, and the trees look a little more bare because the sunshine isn't illuminating the pretty colors of the leaves. But I digress. Thank you very much. Valerie Shondell, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking? I'm in my office in New York City. I'm also drinking a cup of coffee, and not my usual cup. Um, I go to... uh, after I worked out this morning, I went to a, a local deli across the way that makes me a great breakfast and gave me a very simple cup of coffee instead of running across the street to Starbucks. And I got to say, it's a pretty good cup, and I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Do you want to give a shout-out to the little deli you went to? You could do that. Oh, it's Allen's. They're right across the street. Yes, on uh, 60th and 9th. Great little okay. deli. Okay. Okay, shout out to Alan's. Valerie Shondell loves your coffee, and she just talked about it on the radio. So there. And Mr. Joseph Pietrofessa II, what are you drinking? I, I assume it's something fabulous and formal, but I could be wrong, so tell me. No, I, I, normally I would tell you I'm drinking Starbucks, which, you know, and I'm, a, I'm just a black coffee guy. But, you know, uh, honestly, I am drinking water with a squirt of white cherry uh, flavoring, from Skinny Girl, owned by, as you know, <laughs> Bethany Frankel, a very strong business person. So it's ironic yes. I happen to be drinking that this morning. Oh, I think it's all on purpose. Everything's on purpose, <laughs> Joseph. Come on. You knew you were going to be on the show. And you knew if you just said, Valerie, you just said uh, Bethany Frankel and Skinny Girl, everybody's going to say, wow, he's really cool. I know you knew that. So, <laughs> But you are. Then again, you are. So guess what? It's time for us to take our first and only break. So delighted to be speaking today with Susan Solovic, Valerie Shondell, Joseph J. Pietrofesa II. That's a long name. He's from The Strategico. Susan is the small business expert and Valerie is the business strategist. We're talking about wardrobe change from red to black, women business turnaround gurus. How are we doing, women in business? Do you have what it takes to keep the doors open or to keep the portal open, whatever it is, when things are not looking too good? We're going to continue our conversation about the traits of winners in the business turnaround world. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm drinking cool, clear water because, as Susan knows, they don't let Bonnie have caffeine on radio show days. And this is a doubleheader. I just got off the air an hour ago. So here you go. We're going to take a quick break. Don't even think of touching that mouse. That app, that dial, Michael out. When it 
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For women, the pressure to achieve at work is stronger, the hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. Tune in to hear today's powerful women leaders help you make sense of it all. They will get you thinking about how to manage smarter. They will analyze how you can change the game. And they will share their playbooks on how you can make it happen. Game Changing Women is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Women. Here we are. We're talking about women who are game changers. Our panelists today are Susan Solovic, the small business expert, Valerie Shondell, S-H-O-N-D-E-L, the business strategist. I just put the all in caps for you, Valerie, so you're on a par with Susan. I know you are. And Joseph Pietrafessa II. His company is Strategico, S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-C-O. And you can find everybody online if you want to know more. So, we're going to start our roundtable, Susan Solovic. Let's look at the notes you sent me before the show and some very interesting comments here. You say, change your attitude, change your results. The reason most small businesses fail is because they think too small. And then you add, you need the courage to think big and bold. We didn't even talk about this in our turnaround segment at the beginning. So, Susan, why don't you take it away and let's talk about the traits that will enable a woman to pick up the business and move it ahead and not let it close. Go ahead, Susan. Well, I think that many women start businesses and they start something because they're really good at it. So they tend to be into the jewelry making or they're uh, in some sort of uh, service type business and they don't look at how, uh, and Valerie alluded to this earlier, but they don't look at how that business can build and grow. They're just down in the trenches and they're doing it every day, making things happen. And what happens there is they become the product or they become the service. There is no business beyond them. And when they stop doing what they do, the business stops as well. So what they've really done is create a job for themselves and a revenue stream, not a real business. So when you start with this bigger vision, you see where you'd like to go. What would you like this business to look like down the road? Then you can step backward and what are the building blocks that I'm going to need to get there? So you're already thinking about step one, step two, step three, step four. And I think the key is to look at how that business can be scalable. And in order for a business to be scalable and sustainable, you need to have a product or service that is teachable, repeatable, and can be consistently delivered. Those three factors, teachable, uh, repeatable, and consistently delivered. If you have to be in the trenches and involved in every single product and service that goes out the door, you're not building a business, and you're not thinking big enough. And honestly, there is really no business that I've ever encountered that can't scale on that level. 
Susan, very interesting. The point you brought up is one that the panel on Shark Tank, I, I still watch that show. I still find it intriguing to see the train wrecks that the panelists cause and the ones that come in on <laughs> yeah. a train wrecks all on their own. It's a little bit like watching the old uh, days of Simon Cowell on American Idol when nobody was safe. Uh, but they very often say to, I think more to women business startups, that's a hobby. It's not a business. Come back when you right. make it into a business. So I think well, that's what you're talking. I, Go ahead. I think that I think that women buy into this concept uh, that a lot of small business experts out there espouse, and they say, you know, if you're passionate about what you do, you can't help but succeed. And so when I talk to women, they come up to me and say, I'm struggling. I'm not making any money, but I'm so passionate about what I do. I don't understand. And you know, passion doesn't equate to profit. And that's the bottom line. So if you think that passion is your key to success, you know, I've got a bridge here in Brooklyn I'd like to sell you because it is a bunch of BS. It's the business <laughs> fundamentals that you have to learn and apply. And passion's great. Don't get me wrong. Passion's what gives you life's energy. It's what gets us jazzed up to get out of bed in the morning, to work the crazy hours that we work as entrepreneurs, keeps us going 24-7, um, all, you know, day and night. And so that is important, but it is not the key ingredient to making a business successful. Thank you very much, Valerie Shondell. Love to hear your comments on this. What do you say? What do you see? Yeah, I, I, I think Susan's right on the mark. And this idea of building a business that can grow and succeed long term is really critical. I tell businesses that if they can create that seed when they start the business, that can become and we, I use the word scalable, that can grow with them. Mm-hmm. So they develop good habits, whether it's how you do your bookkeeping or how you interact with your clients, so that instead of as you grow along the way, rethinking things and re, re, reinventing the wheel, so to speak, it just grows smoothly. This involves really critical hiring and the development of a culture of people that are willing to grow. Because for companies that grow, many times the growth can be very quick. And people have to be willing to change what they do in their jobs, the scope of their jobs, sometimes how the company is organized as it grows. So these are critical factors in building a company that can, can grow and exceed and get beyond that. I think what happens with these smaller businesses, and we want to say these startups, so to speak, they get an idea, and it only takes them so far, and then they're stuck. And they've developed probably some habits that are fine for business with two employees. But then as you grow and you become a bigger business, you need to rethink. So my, my focus has always been, let's do that from the start. Let's build some really good habits that we know can grow with the business and look toward where that big picture is, where we want to go down the road. Thank you, Valerie. Is this something that's learned? Do, do, are women going to get this in a special course in business school? Are they going to get it from uh, leaders like you and Susan Solovic and, and, and talking to people who've been around the world and grown businesses, uh, Joseph Pietrofesa? Where are they going to get this? You know, you might have that natural tendency to be scrappy and resilient and can do, but you're talking about the details of building a business. Where do we find those strengths? Where do we find those lessons? You know, I think part of it is being coming aware of it, if you know what I mean. Realizing that you must think in this mindset that a building, a business doesn't just grow 
because you had an idea and you just keep going a day, a day, a day and bring new sales in or bring whatever new clients in, that there is that bigger picture and there are those things within your business that you need to develop healthy, healthy habits from the beginning. Um, it's sort of like leading a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, we, those of us that, you know, are healthy, a lot of us have worked out for a long time, have had good eating habits for a long time, as opposed to those people that got sick and said, oops, I got to change. And I mm-hmm. think it, it's, it's the idea of, from the beginning, learning that there are good, as Susan speaks so many times when she's talking to people, there are good ways and good procedures and good processes that all businesses should have, whether they're small or large. And I think that's, that's an important part, that people don't take those early days lightly. And I, unfortunately, I think a lot of people do. It's something we need to pass the word on. And it's the reason why people like ourselves want to get the word out and want to talk to others to let them know that this is really important when you start out. Very, very good point. And I'm thinking as you're all speaking, and Joseph, I want you to weigh in on this in just a second, please. I'm thinking that there's an old expression, some of you may have heard something like, if you uh, don't let the turkeys get you down. We all know. You come to Sunday dinner. Food's passed around. I'm thinking of Blue Bloods and the, the Sunday dinner that always seems to happen at Tom Selleck's table. And and you were to come up with an idea. Oh, Pop, or oh, Mom, or oh, Uncle Uncle Ned, I have this great idea. You know what's going to happen. Come on. They're going to look at the woman like, oh, really? Isn't that adorable? Isn't that cute? Or don't quit your day job, honey. This is where I want Joseph Pietrofesa to come in. Joe, you're a man of the world. You've probably seen an awful lot of businesses come and go. What do you think about, well, first of all, everything that Susan and Valerie have shared, but also my thought about the turkeys, the ones who are the naysayers, the derogateurs, the discouragers, rather than the, yes, Mary, you can do it. What do you see? Well, in in line with what uh, Valerie and Bonnie said, I look at growth and scaling your business as understanding the risk. I mean, I think risk is a good thing to have um, if you know how to manage it. And managing your risk before you reach that risk, obviously, is is the plan. Um, So, you know, when I look at people in their companies and I have this great idea and here's my three-year plan and that, you know, it's understanding the risk before you reach it and you're into a crisis. It makes you a better manager, and also, you know, it keeps the carrot in front of you. The carrot, many times, in my mind, is not the prize, it's the risk. And as you grow and as you scale, that risk obviously gets a little bigger as you approach it and moves out a little further. And I think that is very important for any business, uh, any business person, male, uh, female doesn't matter is understanding the risk as you grow and scale a business. Very powerful words, Susan. You want to comment on what Joseph just shared with us? I love that. Oh, I think it's a great point. Uh, absolutely, you've got to understand the risk of being in business. But I think that when you, women often look at that risk and they're fearful of it, they don't understand it, and they um, are, are tend to be risk adverse. And part of that is you know, biological, because, you know, we look at things like we have to care for our families, we're the, we take care of our parents, we have kids, we have, you know, sisters, whatever, we're caretakers. 
And so some of that just tends to be we don't want to step out there because if it doesn't work out, we may hurt other people than ourselves. But I think that if you're going to be in business, you have to not let that attitude, that bias, that perspective really skew your judgment in the steps that you take. And you've got to make those big, bold assessments and go for it. Thank you. Valerie Shondell, thoughts on what Joseph shared? Yes. Um, You know, I think risk, it's absolutely critical to understand your risk. But risk can be, I want to say, controlled maybe a little bit if you have a plan. You understand your risk, you have a plan, and you watch it executed. And you keep your eye on the plan. And as it goes through, you're able to, to see if, if, hey, I need to move in a different direction. This isn't quite working right. But like Susan says, you've got to make this step going forward. To think that there is no risk in any of that would be, um, it, it, it would be um, ignorant on our parts. But we need you know, to understand that risk, and we need to manage it as we go forward. And that's where that plan of action comes in. Susan, I heard Could you I, talk to us. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to jump into another thing. I Good. And Valerie is amazing at doing this. But um, I think one of the reasons women's businesses don't grow and also why they often get into financial trouble, because we're talking about going from red to black, is mm-hmm. they really don't understand the financials of their business. And, you know, at any moment in time, your financials are a snapshot of what's happening in your business, and they're telling you a story. So if you can read that story and set up some key performance indicators, a, a dashboard of those things, and really watch, they're telling you, your business is telling you some steps and, and strategies to take right there in front of your eyes. The problem is, you know, I, I say, it's right at the tip of your nose. The problem is, you know, we can't see the tip of our nose, right? So, you know, but it's right there, black and white, and a lot of it just is women shy away from it. There's an old joke about the woman business owner who goes to the CPA, and her CPA says, well, now you know that you're losing money on every widget you sell. And she said, oh, yeah, that's right, but don't worry, I'm going to make it up in volume. And, you know, it's funny, right? But it isn't. And tragically, sometimes it, it can be that simple. Sometimes it can be that simple. Well put. Thank you, Susan, for jumping in anytime. I'm going to move the conversation into some notes from Valerie Shondell. Valerie, interesting comments here. I'll just read a little and ask you to expand. You say, since you entered the business world, you've met so many extraordinary women. They've been in business from the very start of their careers. Some have had career shifts. Others were stay-at-home moms who entered the workforce later. But here's what I want you to talk about, Valerie. You say, the common thread with these women is that they are all pioneers, not afraid to go go beyond expectation, beyond what has been done before, or beyond what is generally acceptable. There's got to be at least a triple punch in there, Valerie, some great points. Why don't you tell us, can you give us any examples, anybody you could cite, or just, just talk in general terms? Go ahead, Valerie. Yeah, you know, I, I came into the business world late from another career, and uh, immediately faced, kind of met up with women in the United States who had some taken over family businesses, some start their own businesses, but really made huge marks for themselves, not only in the business world by being innovative with their businesses, but also in their communities, by being leaders in their communities. But this really came to light as I was on the board of an institute, the Institute for the Economic Empowerment of Women. 
mm-hmm. and we educated businesswomen in war-torn countries. Um, our programs were specifically in Afghanistan and Rwanda. Um, Susan was also involved with us um, on this project. And through the Institute, we got to meet women in situations where they had religious um, restrictions. They had restrictions because they were women. They had financial restrictions. In Rwanda, the women had to take over because the men weren't there. Yet these women went above and beyond to begin businesses. Um, There were women in Afghanistan teaching other women English, teaching other women business skills, providing orphanages for those children that didn't have parents. And while these women were the extreme, I saw these women coming forth in unbelievable circumstances. You know, I see that here in the United States, too. I see women that they don't give up. They come up with something, they take it, they take it bigger than anybody would have suspected. And some of them are quite unassuming if you met them. They aren't maybe as scrappy on the outside as Susan would say, but I have a friend in, in Minneapolis with an um, office supply company, or so it started, but it has grown from, I don't know, maybe $10 million when I met her to well over $50 million in a short period wow. of time. But she's done this, and she just kept, when she's learned something new, she's brought it to her company, she's applied it, um, she's, she's always willing to learn, always willing to grow, wonderful at meeting new people and at networking. These are extraordinary women. These are pioneers in my mind. In the time when office supply companies were going under, when our big box stores were were condensing, her company was growing because she saw innovation far beyond, not only in her products, but in her internal organization. And I, I go back to these women in Afghanistan and Rwanda who did it under different circumstances, but I think that thread holds true with women worldwide. Valerie, such interesting stories you're sharing. And, and I have to ask you, when you talk about the women in Rwanda, and by the way, bravo to you and Susan for working on these projects. It's, it's commendable. It's part of being part of a, a very broad community, obviously, and very necessary to share the wealth of your, your knowledge and your passion for business with them. So I, I applaud and thank both of you. My question is, where does it come from? You take a woman in a, another country, in another culture, maybe hundreds of years backwards in overall what they're doing in that country, and you see this gutsiness, this pioneering spirit, this ethic of sticking to it and making it a success against so many odds we can't even fathom in many cases living here in our, our comfort zone. Where does this come from? Is this a, do you think it comes from, from heritage? Does it come from, I don't know, watching movies on a big screen in a field somewhere? Where did they get this? Valerie? Well, you know, there were a couple of different, uh, I'll cite a couple of examples. Um, so we'll take the woman who had the coffee plantation. I think for her, her business and her passion for her business was to provide for her country. And I saw that in both Rwanda and Afghanistan, that here was a depressed economy, people without work. And by building their businesses, not only did they succeed, but 
sometimes I don't even know if it was important that they succeeded for themselves financially. They Mm -hmm. succeeded for their communities. And I was dealing the last time I was a mentor for a woman who did textiles. And we were getting her textiles into hotels in Africa, which one would think there isn't this big market, but there were markets if you look at even, you know, our simple Hiltons and Comfort Inns. They all have different textiles in there. Mm-hmm. So she was getting in uh, to this market segment. So I, we talked about her scaling up and how it was going to grow from nothing to huge, and we should outsource production. She didn't want to hear of it. Not at all. She wanted that production in her country. So I believe that in these war-torn countries, and the same holds true in Afghanistan, their commitment was to building economies. Mm-hmm. In, with the Institute, and, and I've heard this through the State Department so many times, they, they talk about when you empower a woman, you build economies, you strengthen economies. They set examples for their employees. They build jobs for their employees. They educate their children, which in turn help to educate and improve an economy. So um, I, I believe that their commitment was really to their countries and their people. Thank you. I, I was hoping you'd bring something out of that magnitude. Thank you, Valerie. Joseph, you've been listening so attentively. What do you observe? You're a world traveler. Have you seen any of this in, in other cultures? Or what do you see in terms of specifics of women you've met who really had what it took to start a business, build it, see those risks you talked about before they had to literally face them and get the businesses going again? What do you see? I mean, I'm not that old. I'm older. But, I mean, isn't this really what we saw 70, 75 years ago during the war when men had to go off to war Mm -hmm. and women were left home to not only care for the families, but many of them had to go to work because the the mail was gone. And, you know, the the days of, uh, you know, Betty the Riveter, you know, who working on airplanes and working in factories, I mean, Women, I think, if they're allowed and the, and the, and the, the landscape is in front of them uh, to pursue and work hard, we'll do it. And many times we'll do it quietly without any complaining and just, you know, persevere. And so that, you know, that really was at that time, just like Valerie just said, that was creating a different kind of economy in those times. And I'm sure that that's, you know, true today. Very interesting. I just Googled that because I wanted to get, it was Rosie the Riveter. Riveter. I think there was a different Betty, but Rosie the Riveter and 350,000 women served in the U.S. Armed Forces during World War II in addition to factory work and other home front jobs. Yeah, the 350,000 joined the Armed Forces. Uh, men were called up. They left their factory jobs to go and fight. Women stepped up, produced the heavy, the heavy jobs. Interesting. If uh, you're a follower of the BBC series Downton Abbey, I think it's Downton Abbey. Is it Downton Abbey? Oh, no, it's not. It's the other one. Um, Selfridge. Selfridge. Mr. Selfridge. Uh, great, there, great, there were. Great series. Isn't it? I, I'm such a yeah. fan. I have a crush on Jeremy Piven or how, however he pronounces yeah. his name. I, I don't know. Every time he wears a tux, I don't think of you, Joseph. I think of Jeremy Piven. But anyway, there were scenes where the men in Britain went to war. The women were brought in. They designed special pants outfits for the women to be able to work in the loading docks and in the factories. The men came back and they were 
pissed because the women were doing their jobs exceptionally well. But that's a whole other culture and a whole other story there. Uh, Susan, any comments on, on what Valerie and Joseph have shared? We're almost ready for our predictions round, but not quite. Susan Solovic? Well, I certainly think that women do rise to the occasion. And, you know, it, Valerie's giving some perfect examples from Rwanda and Afghanistan. I personally went to uh, the West Bank um, on behalf of the State Department to speak to a conference there. Um, the same sort of situation. Women were running businesses in a culture they weren't even ever trained or encouraged or anything to um, to be an aggressive businesswoman. But they had no choice because the men had all been killed or they were in prison. So um, I think that we see that here. I'll, I'll tell you one quick story. Um, yeah. I did a program for the SBA and they had a, a, an award they were giving out called, it was the Welfare to Work Award. And I went out to interview this woman. Um, she had been in an abusive marriage. Um, her husband beat her and the kids, and he was an alcoholic. And one night she was so fearful that she took her four children and jumped in the car and left with nothing more than the clothes on their back. They ended up living on the streets. Uh, she got her kids taken away from her. And she enrolled in this little um, welfare-to-work program and got a microloan and started a lawn care business. And when I met her, she had rented a little house. She had all four of her kids back. And I said, how in the world did you go from living on the streets to putting everything back together? And she said, I just looked up one day and decided instead of thinking about all the bad stuff, I wanted to focus on the good. And boy, you know, that just said it all right there. How many of us would just throw in the towel and give up? But, you know, women rise to the occasion. I love it. And that's, that goes to the heart of so many things we've been talking about, Susan and Valerie and Joseph, the scrappiness, the pioneering, the resilience, the flexibility, vision, vision, commitment. We have to add those words as well. Let's see. We're about one minute away from roundtable segment called Crystal Ball Predictions. Joseph, I want to look at a couple of you have some wonderful comments here in your notes. I don't want to finish without uh, acknowledging these. You say women have a far greater sense of detail and are much better at subtle persuasion than men. Oh, come on, Joseph. You have to tell us. What kind of subtle persuasion are you talking about? Well, I, I you know, Geez, I, I don't want to sound sexist, but certainly if if, uh, if, if a woman is uh, cold calling or if a woman has an appointment, I think there is a greater sense of uh, attention paid to them and giving them the time to make their pitch for whatever the reason might be. And, and I think women do have a sense of making friends or, you know, turning a conversation a little bit off of just the business track and into a more personal, whether it be about the weather, whether it be about, you know, the product they're, they're serving or whatever it is, I think their persuasion uh, uh, ability is much, much higher than men. And so, you know, sometimes it's in a subtle way. Sometimes it's saying what you want, like Madonna said, asking for what you need. Um, but I, I, I give them certainly the advantage. So would you say women are better schmoozers? <laughs> better schmoozers. Perfect. Better schmoozers. Susan, what do you think? Are we better schmoozers in business? Do you think we, we have the ability to make friends and, and persuade better? Do you agree or disagree with Joseph? I agree with Joseph to a point. I will say that women are great networkers, and we connect, we build rapport, we're great communicators, and as a general rule, the issue becomes when you want to ask for the sale or asking for the money. And I did some consulting work with a major brokerage firm, and I won't mention which one, 
but um, there were so few women who are asked and make it through the first few years as a financial advisor, as a broker. And one of the reasons that we found is the fact that women, while they make this connection, they're good teachers, they're patient, they build that relationship. But when it comes to saying, Mr. Prospect or Ms. Prospect, if you have $10,000 to invest today, this is what I think you should do, sign here. They don't ask for the close. And Mm -hmm. so I think that is a key element that keeps a lot of women's businesses at a smaller level. Thank you very much. And guess what, Susan? I'm going to tap you right now. Tap, tap, tap. It's time for Crystal Ball. I'm going to give you exactly one minute. You know, Susan, I love the year 2020 for predictions. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. How far in the future would you like to take us with a one-minute prediction, Susan Solovic, the small business expert? Go ahead. I'll go to 2020, Bonnie. But I will say, sadly, as you mentioned in your opening, that the number of women business owners grossing over $1 million in annual sales, grossing, not net, but grossing over a million dollars in sale, has actually declined. I wrote a book in 2006 called The Growth Guide to Building a Million Dollar Business. I figured Mm -hmm. if I could do it, anybody could do it. And unfortunately, at that time, only 3% of women-owned business had reached that level. But now, according to Forbes, only 2%. So it's going the wrong direction. So I'm not real enthusiastic that it's going to be a boom. I think it's going to be an evolution, definitely not a revolution. Thank you. Love that, Susan. Always a pleasure. And thank you for helping put together this topic in this panel. Kudos to you. And I know we'll work again together soon. Valerie Shondell, the business strategist. Valerie, how far in the future can you predict what will change about this topic? Women, business, turnaround, experts, gurus, aficionados, uh, whatever. Our, our edge, is it going to grow or not? Valerie, one minute, go. Yeah, I think it's going to be different. Um, I see younger people today with a different kind of a mindset, a different set of values, a different type of a work ethic. And I think we're going to see a lot more where people are less centered in a place of business and that businesses are more virtual, whether it's because they're outsourcing parts, people are working from home, um, alternative ways of doing business, the use of the Internet, um, communicating through the Internet. And I think this is going to bring a huge challenge and a focus on how do we build a company with a culture and how do we build something that's cohesive that can survive. And I think it's going to be an issue um, of concern and talk as we go forward. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Appreciate that. Joseph Pietrofesa, the second strategico. I can give you exactly one minute. What do you predict, Joseph? What's coming down the pike for women in business in terms of going from red to black? Well, I, you know, one thing, when you and I first uh, met, uh, Bonnie, we, we talked about equal pay. And I, I mm-hmm. think you remember I said to you, I'm really shocked that that's still uh, you know, a problem in this yes. in this country. And I really think that that is going to go by the wayside, or I hope it goes by the wayside in the very near future, within the next two years, probably. Um, uh, clearly, it, it's an issue. It's out front. It's going to be taken care of in some way or the other, whether the government gets involved or not. And I think that's going to give women a little bit more empowerment to step up and step out maybe a little more money in their pocket so they can start their own business. So um, I, I agree with Susan's statistics on the, on the failures, and I clearly hope that turns around, but I, I think it's got to start at the very lower level with equal pay. 
Thank you very much, and that's very interesting. We are launching a, a new series in this time slot in 2016, probably January. It'll be called Game Changing Women, colon, Gender Equity Issues. So, Joseph, you never know. We might tap you again to come back and share your point of view, but I want to say thank you right now. We're almost out of time. Susan Solovic, what can I say? Always can count on you to come up with great references to people like Valerie and Joseph and great topics. Appreciated very much, Susan. I hope the sun shines. It looks like it might. It's brightening up outside. Valerie, enjoy your coffee, and thank you so much for your time and great insights. And, Joseph, just keep growing the strategic go and keep that wonderful tuxedo on tap. We're going to call on you again. I'm absolutely positive. It's so rare to see a man in a tux in a business photo and it just is so refreshing, I have to tell you. Still love a man in a suit. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We have a shout out to our engineer at World Talk Radio. He's Michael and here is my call to action for all of you out there. Thank you for listening and here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer right now, this minute, today. Signing off. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.